Hi, welcome to the Haven Youth Church Podcast. We want to thank you for tuning in today. We hope this message encourages you and empowers you to be all God created you to be. We love you. Welcome to the family. If you have your Bible tonight, can you say amen? If you have your Bible tonight, can you say amen? If you love your Bible, can you say amen? If you read your Bible this week, can you say amen? Oh, and so if your neighbor didn't bring their word tonight, if they don't have the app popping up on their phone, please, please take the sharp end of your elbow and just drive it into their hip area right there. There's a magic spot right here. I didn't mean to show you my, but there's a magic spot right here that really just gets people to jump a little bit. And so um, I would encourage you to do that to your, to your neighbor, particularly if they're a visitor and they don't even know what the Bible is, right? Take advantage of the moment, right? So Judges chapter 6, that was a joke. Uh, Judges chapter 6, <clears throat> tonight we'll read, we'll start in verse Verse 11, we believe that, uh, that Scripture is God-breathed. We believe that you can base your life on this book right here. Your every move can be based on this book. We believe that you can base your future on this book, your wifey on this book, right? Some of y'all, I just, I don't know. I don't know what, I just, you know, he, he texted me, so I guess he's a good candidate. <laughs> uh, right here, okay? So don't make me look like the bad guy when I have to point out that he's not the one, right? Like, don't make me echo the book. You find it out for yourself right here, okay? <laughs> um, Judges chapter 6, we're thankful for the Word of God tonight. I want us to do this. Um, listen, I've, I've been in, in, uh, in churches and meetings where they do this on a regular basis as their custom. And that's what it was. It's just a custom to me, and I didn't understand the significance of it. And so, um, so I, 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 it's taken me a long time, but, uh, but I, I think I recognize and, and uh, understand the importance of honoring the Word of God and uh, uh, recognizing that this is a transformation agent right here. You can come to church all you want, but if, you, if this doesn't get into you, you'll, you'll continue in your, in your, in your cycle. Um, and so, but this right here, if this, ever, if this ever takes root in your heart, okay, change is going to come. And, uh, and so uh, just to, to, to recognize that this is not an ordinary moment that we're in. Also, to recognize that it's probably a good time to turn off the game that you're looking at on your phone. It's probably a good time when this word is presented. It's probably a good time to, to stop with the cynicism. I don't care if you like my preaching or not. Okay, that's not, that's, you know, so to, to, to be dissatisfied with the messenger of God is between you and God, Right. And so it's probably not a time to be a cynic. It's probably not a time to, uh, to, to, to get caught up on your latest, um, your latest Netflix binge, right? It's not a good time to get caught up on your Robin Hood account, okay? We're after hours, right? So GameStop probably isn't doing very well, all right? I'm just going to let you know. Dogecoin probably still at six-tenths of a cent, right? Probably still there, okay? And so in order for us to remind ourselves and each other, that this is a special moment, okay? Nothing against Dogecoin, right? <laughs> I'm in there too, baby. Um, um, yeah, that's, to recognize the significance of this word, can you stand to your feet tonight? <clears throat> we'll read together Judges chapter 6, verse 11. The Bible says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizurite, while his son Gideon, say Gideon, 
was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. He's hiding. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him. Remember last week we talked about the angel of the Lord? This is another Christophany. This is not just an angel. This is the person of Jesus Christ that comes to, to Gideon. The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Anybody been there before? And where, all, and where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us or forgotten us, right? Not, not, he, the, he, this is an accusation against the Lord that, that Gideon is making. This isn't, a, this isn't a, an accusation that would say that he's forsaking us or he's forgotten us like, like I forgot to turn off the stove. But this is to say that he's forgotten us as though to say, I, I don't care about you anymore. I'm forsaking you. That's what he's, that's what he's putting on the Lord here. He's forsaken us and given us into the hand of the Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in. See, it's the Lord there, right? Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? Isn't it interesting how when you have a burden to see God show up, God says it's your job to, to, to bring me to your people? God, why don't you do it? And the Lord responds, why don't you do it? <laughs> Amen. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I send you? And, and at this point, Gideon's really confused. Might of yours. like what? And he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him but I will be with you and you shall strike the Midianites as one man and he said to him if now I have found favor in your eyes then show me a sign that it is you who speaks with me I want to speak to us on this thought tonight the call is louder than the fall the call is louder than the fall stretch your hands to heaven right now let's pray Lord Jesus we thank you for your presence that has been real in this house we thank you father for reaching tonight to the wayward reaching to the lonely reaching Lord to the bewildered reaching Lord to the hurt and the broken Father and Lord Holy Spirit we invite you to continue to speak continue to reach continue to expose the lies of the enemy and allow the word uh, the Lord your, your word to take root in hearts your transformation agent to find good soil in this house tonight may we hear your call above every fall Father in this house and we give you the glory and the honor. Hallelujah. Amen. The call is louder than the fall. Amen. And so we understand in our passage that, that this is the book of Judges, right? And that makes all of us, I know, immediately uncomfortable. How dare you judge me? He's already started. The first, open up the book of Judges. I just want you to know tonight, I'm not going to hear you. Only God can judge me. Yeah, I know. Yes. And he's found you wanting. And so the context of judges is proper. We have to understand, too, the, the, the book, the word judge there doesn't mean like the God, the, the, the judges with black robes, right? This is, this is literally deliverer, right? Like we could translate this as deliverer or savior, the book of deliverers. Any deliverers in the house tonight? And so the context is that we've got, we've got Joshua and his leadership that have brought the Israelites into the promised land of Cana. And they've began their conquest. But 
all throughout the book of Judges, we see this pattern begin to take place. And so there are, there are every generation begins to move forward in God, and then the next generation falls away. A generation re- remembers God, and then a generation falls away. There's 13 revivals that we recount in the book of Judges that are led by a deliverer, led by a savior, if you will. And there are, there are 12 falling uh, aways in the book. And so we see that, that as they begin to, to move forward, they also tend to very quickly move backwards, right? And so they, they were given instructions to, to, to enjoy the fruit of the land. And their instructions were just twofold. And the instructions were this, drive out the inhabitants and tear down the idols. That was the two instructions that they were given. And all throughout the book of Judges, we see that they fail to do both of those things. They fail to drive out the inhabitants and they fail to dare tear down the idols. And isn't it just like us when we come into relationship with the Lord, we are certain that he doesn't really mean everything that he says in this word. Surely he doesn't want us to give up that area that he's highlighted in our lives. Surely he doesn't want us to to start doing that activity or or surely he doesn't want us to trust him in this area of our life. And so we, we are convinced that we can do it better, right? And so we do it our own way and we fail to drive out completely the inhabitants and we fail to tear down the idols as it were and so this is uh this is how they compromise and we see this all throughout the book of judges judges 1 and 21 says but the people of benjamin did not get drive out the jebusites verse 27 chapter 1 but manasseh did not drive out the inhabitants and judges 1 and 29 and ephraim did not drive out the canaanites and 1 and 30, Asher did not drive out the inhabitants. And Naphtali did not drive out the inhabitants, right? It's this, this picture of the church in this, in this sin cycle, right? And the, this picture of the church positioning themselves in the place of authority. I get to decide what's right, right? This this. this pluralistic kind of attitude of the day of self-actualization, right? Like I need to figure it out for myself. I need to figure out who I am. I need to, I need some time and I need some space to, uh, to, to self-identify or, 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 or worse yet, the sexual revolution that has taught us that I need to find out who I am and I need to find out who I am through sexualization and eventually through my sexualization, my experimentation sexually, I'll figure out who I am. I'll figure out my gender. I'll figure out my orientation and, and that is who I am. Right. And so this is the attitude of the day and it was the attitude of these people. Right. And so, and so they, they find themselves in this, this cycle because they refuse to recognize the absolute authority and truth of God's word. And they, uh, they began to begin to, to slip into to judgment, and then they cry out. <clears throat> and can I, can I just, just, just tell you that the God that we serve does not rescue you for a moment of freedom. Do you understand what I'm saying? He didn't rend the heavens 
and send his son to bleed and die so that you could have an occasion of deliverance. Do you understand what I'm saying? The love of Christ did not tear down every wall that you had established in your life so that, that, that Kyle exhorted to us about so that you could have a really nice week at youth camp and experience a week of freedom. But the God that we serve come to deliver you absolutely from every lie, come to deliver you absolutely from every bondage, come to set you at liberty from every fear that the enemy has tried to keep you wrapped up in. And not to do it for a moment, but to do it for a lifetime. A lifestyle of walking in the commands of God and the purposes of God. This is the work of the cross. So that you might live a life of victory. Not a life of cyclical sin and bondage, but that you might might live a life of victory. Not that you could forget God and put him away in your closet or in the backseat of your car when you hop into school and put him on and off like a, like a jumpsuit, but he has come that, that, that you might walk in his power and in, in, in his authority for all the days of your life. This is why he's come. So make no mistake about it, friend. You can know real freedom. You can walk in real victory, not because of anything you do, not because of the of church service you attend, not even because of the amount of this that you read, but because of the finished work of Calvary, because of the power of the blood of Jesus. It is the power in his blood that gives you the authority to walk over every, every bondage and every lie of hell. It's also the power of the blood that gives you authority over sickness and the grave. <laughs> some of you know, some of you know Havis Crawford's story. Havis Crawford, who was a 12-year-old boy on his deathbed dying of tuberculosis in Kentucky. I believe it was Kentucky. And uh, Havis Crawford, as the story is told, on one day had an encounter with God on his deathbed at 12 years old, and he began to, began to cry out to God. You know what he began to say? Ain't no grave gonna hold my body down. Ain't no grave going to hold my body down. I'm going to get up, get up, get up out of this ground. Ain't no grave. And his family began to tell the story of when he began to allow the, that encounter with God and the song that God began to give him began to, began, to, to, began to open up the heavens. The kingdom of God came down. Do you know that that's what happens when you release praise? Do you know that the windows of heaven began to open when you release the praise from your heart, the sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of your lips? Do you know that this is why David instituted uh, day and night 
Levite worship in the tabernacle at Judah before there was ever a temple, before there was ever a tabernacle made with man's hands, there was but a tent where David said, there's not going to be a calf sacrifice, there's not going to be a lamb, there's not going to be a pigeon, but one sacrifice, and that is the sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of your lips. And so he got the trumpeteers and he got the musicians together and they sang and they worshiped Lord, the Lord for 30 years, night and day, day and night. And the Bible says that the kingdom of heaven came to the kingdom of earth. What is the ticket to freedom? It must be to recognize that the blood of Jesus is greater than hell. It's greater than sickness. It's greater than death. It's greater than sin. Hallelujah. And begin to sing the song of heaven. Ain't no gray. If I could sing, I'd sing it. That one song took that man across this nation. Avis Crawford. One encounter and became the song of his life. From one encounter, he began to worship prophetically. <clears throat> and it became his reality. Amen. And so, understand tonight, when we talk about freedom, it doesn't mean that, that, doesn't mean that you're going to walk a, a blameless life before God never having fallen down. Let me make this clear in case we're confused, right? Because that's where, how some of y'all have been raised, and you're convinced. Some of y'all, under the sound of my voice right now, have walked out on God because you fell, because you failed God, and you were convinced that in that one failure that God excommunicated, excommunicated uh, you from his presence. <laughs> he raised you out of his book, right? And so, but I come to remind you tonight that, that when we fall, the Bible declares that we have an advocate with the Father, right? When we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. When we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. And so what's the difference of walking, uh, walking in a, a victorious, blameless life and living in sin? The difference is, is when I fall, I reckon the flesh dead. Like Paul said, I reckon it crucified to that cross, to that cross and I recognize, recognize that that dead flesh is no longer in control of me. I may sin but I'm not bound by sin. I may mess up but I don't have to live in my bondage. I get up and I say God I'm sorry. I trust the blood of Jesus. I trust in your grace. I trust in your mercy. I'm not I can't do it on my own God but I know your grace, your mercy and your blood is greater. And if it wasn't then surely you would be in charge. And salvation would be according to your works. And you could probably boast. And the people that believe that do boast a great deal. They do. And they may not outwardly do it, but they do it by looking down their nose at everybody else that isn't living like them. <clears throat> well, we'll move on. <clears throat> and so we see... We we'll see in, in, in our, our, the context of our story, this healing and sickness. Jesus is Lord, and they're excited, but he's not Lord of everything. I'm going to change the world. But I want to change the world when I want to change the world and how I want to change the world. I want to be an instrument of righteousness. But I get to choose what that instrument looks like. Do you hear what I'm, what I'm saying? 
the people of Israel. So he'd raise up these, these deliverers, these men. And I know March is Women's Month. And in our story, in the context, we're coming out of, of the generation of Deborah. He rose up, raised up mighty women as well. <clears throat> Amen. Take that. Take that, you Baptists. Say the women can't minister. They knew how to live in, 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 in momentary freedom. Just like you and me. They knew how to get it at youth camp. Right? And they knew how to lose it before the summer was over. <sighs> they knew how to get in on a Thursday night and shout and pray and, you know, and, and feel, feel the goosebumps, right? And the, the hair staying on the back of their neck, right? And say, man, that's God. I know, I know because I feel him. Right? And just be careful about that because there's times when you don't feel him and he's still God. You know what I'm saying? Like there's times when the hair isn't standing up on the back of your neck and he's still present, very present. Do you understand what I'm saying? <clears throat> and when God comes into a room, he doesn't come into a room based on what you, what you dictate. And it doesn't look like, it doesn't look like the way that you say it has to look. Sometimes it, sometimes it doesn't feel any kind of way. And sometimes he comes in in a, in a way in which nobody's raising their hands. And sometimes he comes in a way when nobody's shouting and when nobody's dancing. And, and a lot of people like, like, since I'm, since I'm on this tonight, like a lot of us were tonight like this, you know, and he slips into the room anyway, right? Because somebody, somebody slipped behind the veil. Somebody opened the door. Somebody gave him a, a sacrifice of praise that was fit and that was worthy. And he always responds to a, to a, to a, a proper sacrifice, a, a proper sacrifice. His altar will always catch on fire when somebody offers a proper sacrifice of praise and somebody offered a sacrifice of praise. And so the Holy Spirit slips in and you may not have felt him, but that don't mean he's not here. And you may not feel him right now, but I don't mean that your deliverance isn't in the house. You may not feel him right now, but that doesn't mean your healing's not in the house. We come to serve a God that shows up in all of his power, in all of his might. Hallelujah to God. And so we know how to experience moments of freedom. We know how to, we know how to, we know how to knock the enemy down. But we've got to learn to take the enemy out. Listen, I know some of y'all go to, to Pastor Russ's house on fight night pretty regularly. I don't know how you do it. And I just, I'm telling you right now, I just wait every week. I'm like, which one's not going to show up on Sunday? Because I want to put them on blast. I'm going to let them know they are a terrible believer. And so, staying up all night. Oh, does he really do that? Is it, is, uh, no, it's joking. Um, but... <laughs> They were telling me this last week's fight that, I don't know the names, but somebody, somebody got knocked out illegally, right? Like there was an illegal, he didn't get KO'd, but he, there was an illegal blow. And so, you know, you know what's going to happen, right? What's going to happen? Well, he's, yeah, he's disqualified, but what's going to happen in the future? You don't know? They're going to fight again, right? You're not going to let it go down like that. It's going to be a rematch. Right? And, and we, 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 we watch this happen all the time, right? Like when there's a great fight, right? As long as the, 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 the man on the mat is, is living, usually what's there going to be? A rematch, right? So that, 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 knocked out, that knocked out contender at some point is going to come to himself. And when he does, you know what he's going to want? 
a rematch. Do you hear what I'm saying tonight? It's one thing to knock an enemy down. It's another thing to take the enemy's head off. It's one thing to knock the enemy down in your life. It's, we've become pretty content with knocking him down. But we've come to declare that that enemy can be defeated ultimately if you'll but take the sword of truth. And you'll begin to, to, to relentlessly, don't, 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 don't be satisfied with, with, with listen, if, the, if, if, G, if Holy Spirit has highlighted areas in your life to take care of, just because they quiet down just because you took care of some of them you better look again because there's going to be a moment where they're going to rise back up and there's going to be another contender that you're going to have to fight with when you should have already dealt with it and this is where the the this is where the israelites are should have already dealt with this enemy generations ago they should have long dealt with the midianites and the amalekites Yes, that wasn't tongues. It was a tribe. <laughs> you should have long dealt when the Lord told you should. You're. How long have you allowed? How long have you allowed that distraction? How long have you allowed that lie? How long have you allowed that shame? How long have you allowed that failure to echo, to be the resounding voice within and without? Don't you know the cross drove out every lie at Calvary at the moment of salvation? It was already dealt with. Christ has already provided the answer. And so why are you going in circles in a ring with the, with the dead thing? Listen, I understand that I understand that we are this generation is in unprecedented times. It's not like mama and dad is daddy's mommy and daddy's America, right? It's not. It's just not. Sin is 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 as pervasive in this culture as it's ever been. And not only is sin as as pervasive as it's ever been, but but corruption and, and the politics of the day and the culture of the day are set against you. Do you know it was, a, it, was, it was a time period in America where it was cool culturally to be a Christian, right? Like it was cool. Now, that's, that's because of revival, but it was cool. You're not in that. You're not in that. And, and if you think you are, stand up for truth. See what happens. Stand up for truth. Well, I stand up for Jesus all the time. Now, I'm talking about stand up for this word. I'm talking about the truth of his word. I'm talking about stand up for the image of God, the imago, imago Dei. Stand up for, for a man and a woman and, and recognize that a man is a man and created by God. And my goodness, <sighs> men. And recognize the beauty of, of the woman, right? The crescendo of creation. The finishing touch of, of, of God the Father, which is woman, right? And, and try to celebrate those two things, as innocent as that might seem. And you are homophobic, and you're transphobic, and you're a bigot, and you're a sexist. 
Oh, see, you had to go with specifics. I was good for standing for Jesus. Right? Like, we're okay with that. But what I'm saying, what I, what I want you to understand is, is everything in this culture, everything in this culture is contrary. Right is wrong and wrong is right. This is what we're celebrating. Literally, literally defying even science, right? Like, you know, it's wild out here. Right. Science is more and more and more and more on the side of this book. Did you know that it's more and more It's more that we discover in science through the scientific process of investigation. The more that we learn about babies in the womb, the more we find out that they are beings. They are they are living beings with feelings. Right. Who 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 actually have feelings. Not only do they have feelings, they have emotions. Science tells us this, that babies can laugh in the womb. And we've long known this. We known that babies have had emotion. We know this because Mary went and seen went and seen her cousin Elizabeth and and John the Baptist leapt in his mama's womb with excitement and was filled with the Holy Spirit. So we know full well, just based on his word, that that this is true. But science is proving more and more as we as we discover. And so, but yet the science that we stand on begins to move further and further and further away from truth, right? And so, and so this is where we're at in, in our culture. And not only that, like, look, like you well know, I think you should be in tune with, with the politicians, uh, uh, your, your very honorable politicians in D.C. Uh, who you should pray for. Uh, but a number of them are... Uh, can I preface this by saying this? There is no individual that we stand against. Do you understand? As believers, there is no individual we stand against. We love people, right? I don't care what your breed, what your, what your color, I don't care what your orientation or your gender or, or, or whatever the, your identity. It, does, it really doesn't matter because, because what gives you dignity is not your orientation, is not your gender. What gives you dignity is the fact that you are made in the image of God. You're an image bearer, therefore we honor you and we bless you. But we also recognize that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and spiritual power, spiritual, spiritual, spiritual powers in high places, right? And so the enemy of God is not man, but it's that spirit in man that is set against God. And so we don't hate people, but we do hate the spirit of the Antichrist. We hate the spirit of hell that that seeks to destroy man and sets itself against the things of God. And so I understand, you understand that we are living in a time that's become very chaotic for the church. And if you don't know that, you better recognize it. You better get a backbone if you're going to be a believer because it's not going to be very long to where this is going to be considered hate speech. That's not some like far out there ideas just where we're going right unless we have revival sooner uh, than later that's what's going to happen and so this is going to be deemed as hate speech and and everything much of what I've said tonight will would have to be removed from the internet if we're going to shield ourselves from politicians that have now elevated any type of disagreement with the transgender or LGBTQ community Uh, if if we stand against that then we stand against dignity and humanity and they are now trying to elevate that to the level of of racism and hate speech, right? And so, so what do we do? Throw in the towel? Oh man, it's getting dark. We may have to close our doors. It's a church. What are we going to do then? What if our pastor gets thrown in jail? What if they strip from us our 503C and we have to pay taxes? 
What if the government takes away our rights? And obviously, not, there's no one in here that would stand for, you know, your rights as, as, a, as a human being, right? Your God-given rights. None of us would stand for any of those being stripped, all right? But we're really close to seeing that happen through your religious freedoms. Guess what? God doesn't consult politicians or judges or justices, right, to determine whether or not a nation is fit for revival. He doesn't consult presidents or vice presidents. He doesn't need his man in the White House, whoever that might could possibly be. He doesn't need his man in the state house <clears throat> to, to move on a people. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you, woke, you need to understand that if you woke up tomorrow without, and this is obviously hypothetical and would never happen, but if you woke up tomorrow and you did not have any religious freedom in this country, do you know that the church is going to be all right? Do you know that God's purpose on your life never changed? God's call on your life never changed. And his desire to move in the earth has never changed. And so I want to I alleviate some pressure for those of you in the house who feel, who feel that, that, that weight of culture on you, who feel that pressure that if I speak up or if I say anything contrary to what, to what popular media and the blue checks say I have to say, then I'm going to be persecuted and, and I won't be silenced and I want to be canceled, right? And so don't you know that they would have canceled and tried to cancel every minister in this book, every prophet, every judge, every apostle was, was there was attempts to cancel every single one of them, yet no man can muzzle, no man can cancel the kingdom of Christ. God does not, does not yield to man's opinion. I want you to understand that this isn't a season. It's not a time where we're going to shriek away, but instead it's a time where Holy Spirit is coming with power so that you might go and utterly conquer. Amen to God. He is sending you in the earth as his appointed weapon, as his appointed uh, weapon for, for righteousness sake to pierce the darkness we don't need we don't need the, the the capital we don't need the white house to be in alignment with the word of god we need gideons in the room to be aligned with the word of god we need believers who'll stand up for righteousness sake we don't need political leaders to go after god we need you to go after god we need gideons to take care of their house first amen and so don't you dare allow woke culture to silence you don't you dare allow cancel culture to put water on your fire it ought to be fuel for your fire it ought to add to the kindling and to the flame and let them say what they say God I'm going to stand on your word I know that you purpose me in this time and in this hour it's not an accident that you've placed me at, a, at a, a, an age where a, a, an entire nation teeters between right and wrong between the left and the, the, the left side of the radicals and the right side of the radicals you've been positioned at this time in this place by the hand of God for the purpose of God to release kingdom and there's not a politician that can do anything about it your principle can't stop the move of Holy Spirit 
Your teacher cannot stop the move of Holy Spirit. Your mom and your daddy can't stop the move of the Holy Spirit. Your boyfriend, your ex can't stop the move of the Holy Spirit. Amen. He doesn't wait on culture to accept. Uh, and nor did, nor did. Nor did any of the revivalists that we study, Charles Parham, didn't wait for, for culture to accept the, 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 the moving of the Holy Spirit in a way that was evidenced by the Holy Spirit speaking in unknown tongue. He didn't wait on that. But he allowed Holy Ghost to show up with power. So we're not concerned with what the Supreme Court may rule. We're concerned with it as citizens of this country and we pray for them, right? But ultimately it has no bearing on what God is doing. Amen. And so there's consequences to it. Don't get me wrong. There's consequences. But everything that the enemy uses to try to destroy the church only builds it. And if you have to go into hiding, my goodness, God is going to come out of hiding, I promise. And so we don't look to make peace with the enemy of our soul. Do you understand? We don't look to make peace with the spirit of the Antichrist. We don't look to make peace with a culture that is dead set against kingdom culture. In fact, your very presence is contrary to peace to the spirit of the Antichrist. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like your very presence causes conflict. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. I come to bring a, to bring a sword. <laughs> right? And every deliverer we read about in Judges, they weren't clothed with, 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 with a black silk judge's robe to bring peace to a situation, but they were clothed with a shield and with a, storm, with a sword. Amen. <laughs> and so understand, it's your presence that brings, brings conflict. And I'm not talking about with people, and I'm not talking about getting on Facebook and starting some sort of nonsense, quick commenting on people's posts on, on, on Facebook. Like, it's, it, that's, not, that's, not, that's not your avenue, right? Like, that's probably not the voice of God that's speaking to you to, to, uh, to kind of right the, the wrong of somebody's posts, right? Let that go. Like, hit the delete button, okay? Like, if you're like me, you've had to do it today. Yeah, not going to do it, right? That's not, that's not the answer. If you want to make a post, fine. And let them argue it out in the comments. But don't engage in that nonsense. Or maybe turn off the comments. And some of y'all just post to make conflict. Like, that's your purpose, right? Is to, to get, to ruffle people's feathers. I don't know what kind of odd, strange that is, but... Understand that when you step into an arena carrying the image of God and the glory of God, all of hell takes notice. Do you hear me? All of hell takes notice, and you better believe that you've stirred up conflict. And that's why when you step into a school, those of you who are studying to be teachers, those of you who are, are stepping into a school as a student, and you can't figure out why everything seems to be contrary, why people have risen up against you, right? Don't get mad at the people. Your job is to love the people, but understand that there's a spirit behind that. And you begin to pray and believe that you're going to walk and see the fulfillment of God's purpose and his plan for what he's spoken over your school, over your classroom, over your workplace, 
and don't be intimidated by whatever has risen up against you. But stand tall and begin to declare the the word of the Lord. Begin to walk with boldness, walk with clarity, and walk with a mission mind. And know that God has appointed you and he sent you into the earth to bring significant change. But what if, what if all of my coworkers don't like me? I don't know, get a tissue? Like, I mean, unless you're not doing your job, if you're not doing your job, then shame on you. And maybe you should stop talking about Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? And if, if you're a student and you never turn in your work and what you do turn in is garbage, then yeah, you should probably stop talking about Jesus. Everything that you do ought to be as unto the Lord. And you ought not give room for, for anyone to say anything evil about you because you have ordered your steps according to God's word. And so you put forth your best effort. It doesn't mean that every paper's an A, but it means that you put in A effort. All of your effort went into the paper. All your effort went into the homework. All your effort goes into the class. You're not on your phone, on your phone being disrespectful to the teacher. Oh, well, they're well, they're just so ungodly. I just don't, I can't listen to them. Maybe you should, and maybe you should love them. Maybe you might win them to the Lord through the love of God. You ever thought of that? Maybe the, maybe the, 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 the conflict that you've created isn't of God at all, but it's your flesh. That's another story. And so we're getting into... It's 21 seconds. I knew that political... Jot there was a trap. No, that wasn't accidental. You need to know. You need to know that what you believe is unpopular, that you're not going to be celebrated, and that you're going to have enemies. I'm going to prove it to you in this this in this story of Gideon. Because Gideon's going to have to stand up too. And all of the people are going to come against him because he decided to stand up. But as soon as he released the vision, all that rose against him got behind him. And they joined forces. Maybe Maybe next week. And so let me just get to the call part here. And so Gideon responds to the angel of God, to the person of God, which is Christ, who shows up. Here he is hiding this has become commonplace for the Israelites to hide in caves. To hide, in this case, in a wine press. And he's trying to thresh out the wheat. That was supposed to be done on a threshing floor. But instead, he's where the wine was supposed to be flowing. There's all kinds of spiritual implications there, which we'll get into another night. And he responds to the angel who called him a mighty man. And he's like, you've got the wrong guy. I've heard about the works of God, but I haven't seen them. I've heard about the miracle, the strong hand, the strong arm of God that delivered the Israelites out of Egypt. But I haven't seen this God at work. And you're asking me? Gideon, boys, boys, 
was, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. This is, this is uh, the trio here. Um, this is their first time in, in, at Haven for a full service. Can you give them a round of applause? You guys just wave at the audience to say, yeah, thank you. Thank you, friends. Thank you, family, for believing in us. All right. My wife's like, won't you just shut up so I can get these kids home? And so here it comes right here. And so, so Gideon tells the story that he's the least, right? I'm, I'm the least in the least tribe. I made mention of this the other night in an exhortation as, uh, as the Lord was giving me this message. Uh, and so when Gideon says he's the least, understand that he's right, like he was of the least tribe. He was a part of the least tribe. We can read about it uh, in Judges, I believe it's the 20th chapter. It says the Levite, I'll just read, read this, this passage to you. It says, the Levite, the husband of the murdered woman, answered, my concubine and I went to Gibeah, okay, the land of the Benjamites, in Benjamin to spend the night. This is the story. This is why, this is why Benjamin, this is why Gideon is in the least tribe, the smallest tribe. The citizens of Gibeah came to attack me. They surrounded the house where I was staying that night. They intended to kill me, but instead they raped my concubine until she died. It's a pretty gruesome picture. So I took my concubine, and I cut her into pieces. And I sent the pieces throughout the territory of Israel. I did this because the citizens of Gibeah did this perverted and godless thing in Israel. The people of God did this to my concubine. A rape so violent that she was killed. And the people of Israel were so angered at the Benjamites. The Bible says that they gathered together all 11 tribes and they came to Gibeah, the battle of Gibeah. You can read about it. And they had came with the intention of of wiping out completely every member of the Benjamin tribe because of this gross, perverted act. But the Lord stopped them and left 600 alive. And so Benjamin, so Gideon is here. And the angel of God has come. And he, he knows what he's carrying. He knows the shame. <laughs> he knows the shame that he's walking with. That every Benjamite walks in. We're that tribe. We're those people. And it's not just any sin but it's a sexually perverted sin. And he reminds the messenger of God, the son of God, I'm unqualified for this. Do I need to remind you who we are? The Benjamites. How, how we got here? The least tribe. What was happening? The shame of his past was so loud. It's all he could see. It's all he could hear. And it's all that he could feel. It's interesting that that sound can be used as a weapon. They call it 
ultrasonic weapons, USWs, where they can focus sound waves at such a high frequency that it causes you to vomit, it causes you to become incapacitated to the point of falling, you can't even run, but you just fall to your knees in agony. You don't even know what's going on. Your, you, your mind becomes so confused. You don't know if you should run, if you should yell. You, should, you don't know what's, what's happening to you. And so, so this is just pulled from, from, from Google. It says, sonic and ultrasonic weapons are weapons of various types that use sound to injure, incapacitate, or kill an opponent. Some of these weapons have been described as sonic bullets, sonic grenades, sonic mines, or sonic cannons. Some make a focused beam of sound or ultrasound. Some make an area filled of sound. And I don't know if anybody... We, we used to work over at Procter & Gamble where we had these machines that did this on a lower level where you could play a sound and you could literally, it was so focused, it's just a little box and you could focus it right here. I could focus it on Chandler and nobody else could hear it and just Chandler. It's just so laser focused. And so these, are used, these were used a great deal in the protests over the summer. Uh, they call them the, um, the LRADs. <clears throat> And they, they said they were like car alarms from, from Hades. And, and they can permanently damage. This is one of the witnesses said, horrible, nauseating pain hit my body. That's what he told Popular Mechanics. And then I realized it was sound. He said, at first you just think, what is happening to me? And your body goes into complete pain and panic mode. And it's a sound equivalent to looking into the sun. This isn't just used in protests, but this has also been used as weapons. Our military has used this as weapons against, against our, our enemy forces. And so I say that because this is what we're talking about. The call is louder than the fall. And in this room tonight, like Gideon, there are people that all that you can hear and all that you can feel is the the fall from your past. All you can feel and all you can sense and all that you can hear is the, is the sound waves echoing from your failure, echoing from your loss, echoing from the harm that has come your way. And because it's all that you can feel and it's all that you can hear, you become totally incapacitated to even the, the, the reality of thinking about a future in God or a future as a deliverer or a savior to a generation or or somebody that might carry revival, but I've come to tell somebody tonight that the call of God is going in this room and the call of God is louder than the fall. Hallelujah to God. God shows up to Gideon in the form of his own son and he says, I know about your past, but I'm not concerned about back then, Gideon. I've come to call you and equip you today. I know it's, I know the sin is shameful. I know it still hurts, son. I know and everybody else knows about it. I know it was a public thing. All of the other tribes are well aware of where you come from, Gideon. But I didn't consult the other tribes when I purposed you, when I formed you from the foundation of the world. I set you apart for the nations. I set you apart to be a mighty deliverer. And Gideon, if you'll just hear my call, the strength of my word will rise up on the inside of you and every lie from the fall will be silent. Silence. And it's what Holy Spirit has come to do tonight. The call of God. 
going into this room to remind somebody that's been in a cave for a long time. Somebody that's been hiding in a wine press for a long time. The call of God is going forth. And the Bible says that he was hiding because the Midianites were like locusts that would come in and devour the wheat fields and turn the land all barren. Describes them as locusts in preparation. I couldn't help but think that this is the year of the locusts. This is the year when we're supposed to see all of these millions of locusts begin to come to America. We've seen the destruction that's happened across the Middle East, across the the, uh, East Coast of Africa, and the famine that has ensued. But I come to talk to you about a God that restores the years that the locust has eaten. I've come to you to talk about the voice of God that can go so get on the inside of you like John the Baptist on the backside of a desert the very locusts the bible says and he ate them hallelujah to god the thing that was supposed to consume you you use as your own meal you'll get that later and shout john the baptist using locusts the thing that was supposed to consume the israelites the thing that's supposed to consume all that is good all of the fruit of your labor the harvest not on my watch And the Bible says he begins to eat the locusts as a prophetic picture of what Christ is doing in the last day. Let the locusts come. But we serve a God, oh, that raises up Deborahs and Gideons that look at the locusts and they're not intimidated. They're not afraid. They're not a skid. They're not, they're not worried. They don't, they don't operate in fear. They don't live in the past. But instead, they take the very thing that the enemy has tried to use to bring devastation and they use as fuel and so hear the call of God that wants to bring restoration to you that wants to restore faith that wants to restore hope that wants to restore the ability to trust that wants to bring healing that wants to bring wholeness to your loss a God that restores a God that calls and as we preached last week a God that does not change his mind about his call about you Amen. Bow your heads across this place. Lord Jesus, we love you. Thanks for listening. If this message blessed you in any way, please consider subscribing and sharing this podcast with someone. You can follow us on social media at Haven Youth Church. We love you, fam.